Are contractors frustrating the hell out of you? Are you finding it so difficult to find the right contractors, hire them, keep them, have them showing up and all of that? Well, I'm going to share with you the secret to finding investor friendly contractors. And you know what that secret is? There's no such thing. All right. As soon as you accept that, as soon as you understand and believe that you are going to become much better at finding the right contractors for your project for the right price. And they're always showing up. They're always doing the job they're supposed to be doing. So in this video, I'm actually going to share with you how to find the right contractor and how to hire these contractors to make sure that your projects, whether you're doing a renovation or new construction is being done correctly. So with that being said, let's get into the show. I'm John Barbera, and this is an investor's journey where we share with you real strategies and tactics that are working in today's market. This is the only channel that shares with you what is actually working and how to implement it and why it works. So if you're finding value in any of these videos, make sure you hit that thumbs up. It means the world to us. Keep in mind, this is part of a series that I've been doing. That's called how to start flipping houses in 2021 the right way. And I'm going to put the link to that series right up here. Or if you're listening on podcasts, it's going to be in the description as well. So make sure you check it out because we're going through every single area of renovating, flipping houses, every single thing. So make sure you are subscribed and you hit that bell so you get notified every time a new episode drops. And if you're interested in receiving real time tips and strategies, then you need to join our text community. You got to join it because I'm sharing with you in the moment as I'm walking projects, as we're negotiating, as we're doing things that sometimes takes weeks, if not months before I can actually make a full episode on it. So if you want to get those real tips in time, in real time, as soon as I'm doing them, then you want to make sure you text AIJ to 210-794-9898 and you will get alerted every time there's something new, you will get the video or whatever it is. It's going to be sent strictly to you. So make sure you text us AIJ and investors journey to 210-794-9898. So regardless, if you are flipping houses, it's the first one you haven't even done your first, or you've been doing this for a while. It doesn't matter. This video is for you. This is how you're going to be able to find the right contractors, keep them, hire them. And even if you're doing multiple projects, you need more contractors, right? So this video is for you. Keep in mind that at the end, I'm going to be sharing the biggest difference between a GC, a general contractor and a subcontractor. Many people don't understand this difference. So stick around to the end as I'm going to break that down. So you understand that better. So first we, we need to get rid of this myth of investor friendly contractors. All right. This, this shit does not exist. It's the same thing as you, you know, writing a letter Santa or wishing for unicorns. It doesn't exist. Get it out of your head. It's not real. This is why you are struggling so much or why maybe when you're doing your projects, you're having so many problems. It's costing you more and you're having all these issues. Investor friendly contractor is a myth. I don't know who created it, who invented it, but this shit doesn't work. All right. It doesn't exist. Usually the people that are looking for investor friendly contractors are either looking for somebody that's cheap or somebody that knows what needs to get done to the property because they don't know or a combination of the two. 
So this, I've said so, so, so many times, a contractor needs to be good at the job you're hiring them to do. That's it. Period. End. All right. It, they need to be good only at doing that job. They don't need to be investor friendly. They don't need to know, you know, how to flip a house. They don't need to know any of that. What they need to do is how to do the job correctly. And if you don't know how to do the job correctly, then don't get into a renovation or partner. Like we say all the time, partner, 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 partner with an investor that actually knows how to do it. And we've talked about partnerships so damn much because it's so crucial. This is why you're hurting so much, especially when you're doing major renovations, new construction, whatever it is, you're hurting, you're struggling because you're trying to do it on your own and you don't understand what it is that you're doing. Pretty much rehabs are broken down into two categories, what to do and how to do it. You are responsible for what to do. Your contractor is responsible for how to do it. And then as far as investor-friendly contractors, that the reason you want them is because they're cheap is actually going to end up costing you a lot more at the end. But the biggest reason that I think why people have this premise is because usually with contractors, it's like everything. When you do volume, you get a better price, right? So if you're doing a lot of work with a contractor, you tend to get better prices. They don't charge you the same as they would charge a one-time client, a homeowner, or something like that but that doesn't make them investor friendly. That's just simple economics of if you're providing, if you're doing volume, you get it at a better price, right? But don't expect a better price on your first project. It's not fair to the contractor. And honestly, if a contractor does agree to that, you should probably be wary because why are they taking less when they have no guarantees that you are gonna call them again for another project or that you're even gonna be able to do another project. They have no guarantees of that. So not only are they making less money now, that they're also not getting another job. So it's not fair to them and it makes sense. And that's where the, I think the misconception that the, you know contractors are investor friendly and they're cheap is usually because investors, when they're doing a bunch of houses, you tend to get better prices. Again, how do you avoid all this? If you don't know what you're doing and everything, partner, 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 partner. It's going to be the way to do it. So let's get into the three major steps that you need to know in order to understand how to hire the right contractor. Step number one, how to find the right contractor. The biggest way, the honestly, in my point of view, the only way to find contractors and good contractors is referrals, period. And that's on period. That's on period. Nothing else, referrals. Don't Google contractors. Don't go on Facebook trying to find contractor pages and stuff like that. You wanna get referrals. You wanna have a contractor that's being referred by somebody else that has used them in the past. All right. You don't want to be the first person, you know, using a contractor. This is where a lot of people get into trouble. Every contractor that we get and every time we go look for contractors and everything, first thing we do is start calling up the people that we know that use contractors and asking them, who do they use for this? Who do they use for that? And we get their recommendations and we're going to cover how to vet them. But 
how do you find them? You need to get them through referrals. Like I said, you, you want to make sure that you're asking investors and not just any investor. You want to make sure you're asking investors that are actually doing renovations and investors that are actually doing renovations in the areas that you are doing the renovations. All right. You don't want to get, uh, let's say a, an investor recommending you a contractor that does historic homes to do a uh, pretty much a 1980 and up build, right? Because different contractors, different states of mind, you're going to, you, you'll learn this is that a contractor that is used to working with historic homes, they're used to working with maybe higher end materials, different type of things that on a new home, you're not really going to be using. So then they end up doing little funky stuff on the newer ones. And then the house doesn't sell or it costs you more. So you want to make sure when you're asking for recommendations, you are asking for that. And this is why we talk about networking is so, so crucial. And right up here, you're going to see a video that I did on how to network from home, right? When all these networking events had shut down, even though some of them are opening back up now, but still, I, I've always been networking from home. I mean, it, going to an event is great, but networking from home is just so much more convenient. So check out that video. It'll also be in the description under related video down, uh, down below. But I talk about the importance of networking and how to do it and how to build the right network. And this is exactly why, because this is how you find those contractors. Another place that you're going to want to look for contractors, Home Depot, Lowe's, go speak to the pro desk. Go speak to the pro desk and ask them like, Hey, what contractors do you guys have that does this, does that they know the contractors are coming in consistently. Contractors that are going into these, you know, to these big stores consistently are contractors that have consistent work, right? If they sucked, you know, they, they wouldn't be around as much and you can ask them, you can use later when we get into the vetting, you can ask all the questions and everything and get very comfortable with your pro desk, get very comfortable with these people because they're going to be great resources for you. You understand? So you want to tap into the home Depot and Lowe's pro desk. And lastly, if you're still looking. Another area that we've found contractors before is looking in the neighborhood that you're thinking about renovating, look for active projects, major renovations, whatever's actively going on and stop by those projects and see who's doing what job. And I mean, they're already doing the job, right? They're already there. So speak to them, see who hired them and then reach out to them and try to get some information from them. So that's, those are kind of like the three biggest ways, but at the end of the day, they all go off the same basis of referrals. All right. Whether it's your investors referring them to you, the Home Depot Lowe's pro desk or some other investor that you just haven't met, but you see that this person is working on their house and they're referring them to you, but they need to be referred this way. You make sure that somebody else has already used them and you can ask all the questions. And like I said before, if you like receiving tips just like this on, on flips and our rehabs and stuff like that, working with contractors, then text the word contractors to 210-794-9898. And every time we do a flip or we're doing something, we learn something new, we tried something different with a contractor, we'll make sure to send it to the community so you get it first. Step number two, how to vet these contractors before you actually hire them. So the biggest thing to keep in mind is that you have to vet them. And I understand this, you're hearing it right now and you're probably saying, well, yeah, next. No, <laughs> I would venture to say about 90% of investors or wannabe investors or new investors, whatever it is, do not do this. They don't vet for whatever reason. 
Uh, it's something that you're getting there and somebody that you really trust referred them to you and you saw maybe a project or so and you're like, ah, yeah, I'm good. No, no, trust me. You want to go ahead and bet because even though you may trust that investor, maybe they didn't vet them, right? Maybe they didn't go through this process. And if so, you should probably share this video with them. <laughs> but maybe they didn't vet them and there's stuff in there that you're not aware of. And this contract, there's more of a ticking time bomb than anything else. You don't want to, you don't want that ticket time bomb to explode on your project. All right. So you want to take advantage and you want to understand this process very, very well. And as a bonus, I'm actually going to be sharing with you, uh, an actual cheat sheet with all the questions, with all the steps on how to hire contractors. And guess how do you get that cheat sheet? That's right. You got to text us, text contractor cheat sheet to two one zero seven nine four nine eight nine eight and you will get that cheat sheet for free. You can go over it. You can review it as many times as you want. You'll have all the questions, all the steps, everything that we're talking about. You're going to have it in one page. So it's easy to follow. So we're going to go over a few of the questions, but the rest are going to be more in the cheat sheet. So we don't make this video, you know, two hours long, but we're going to go over a few of the questions that you want to make sure you ask these contractors when you're vetting them, when you're inter essentially interviewing them. But keep in mind, these contractors are as much for them as they are for you. All right. Because going through all of these questions, it's going to help you think through the process to make sure you're not forgetting something to make sure you're not missing a step. Because it, again, it happens. These things happen. You're doing a lot of projects or you're getting overwhelmed because of the process. Maybe you got to move fast, you know, on a project. So you want to make sure you're not skipping crucial steps that could cost you the project or tens of thousands of dollars. So these are the questions that you want to make sure you're asking as you uh, vet these new contractors. The biggest thing I like to ask almost every single contractor is how long have you been doing this? And what is it that you started off doing? Now you're going to see that after a while, every contractor has been doing this for 30 years. All right. It doesn't even matter if they're 30 years old, but apparently, you know, everybody's been doing it for 30 years. It's like the contractor number for whatever the hell reason. But what I like to know is what did you start off doing? What have you been doing the longest? The reason for this is because pre 2008, there were a lot of contractors for very specific jobs and contractors before that time. I mean, we used to make a ton of money, all right? Being a contractor was damn near like close to being a, a drug dealer or in the mob. If anybody, you know, always confused you for being in the mob because you're always walking around with wads of cash, you get paid, you know, a lot of money. You used to make a lot of money in contracting. Um, but after 2008 happened and the crisis happened and everything, now your painters became GCs, your tile guys became GCs, everybody became a GC, but they, that's not their area of expertise. That's not what they were trained on. That's not what they've been doing for 30 years, right? They've been doing tiles, paint, sheetrocking, whatever that was. So the reason I like asking this is because when they tell me, well, oh yeah, well, I started doing sheetrocking. Oh, okay. And you did that for a long time. Oh yeah. I did sheetrocking for a, you know, the majority of my time and everything in my head. I'm like, check, I have you whenever I'm going to do sheetrocking, right? Could you be good at other things? Perhaps. I don't know, but his biggest specialty is going to be sheetrocking. When I need a sheetrocker, I'm going to call that person. Do you understand? I hope this makes sense as we move through. Another big question is, are you licensed? You want to know if they're licensed, if they're insured, 
you want to understand and you want to know this. And then we're going to go over how you want to make sure that that's actually accurate. Because uh, you don't want a contractor that lost their license or let their license lapse because they can't, maybe they can't afford the insurance costs, whatever it is. These are red flags, all right? You don't want a contractor that's hurting for money. Contractor that's hurting for money has more of a tendency to screw you over. Whether that's intentional or not, they have more of a tendency of screwing you over. So you want to make sure you ask them, are you licensed? And then you want to ask them, you know, do you pull permits? For what jobs do you pull permits for? You know, how big of a job does it need to be for you to pull permits? And this is kind of like a, a little trick question. I mean, they should pretty much tell you, yes, I'm always pulling permits. Because especially nowadays, especially in San Antonio and Texas, you have the city coming down on you really, really hard. So unless you're doing a very light cosmetic rehab, you want to be pulling permits. All right. Yes, they're a pain in the ass. It's not the cost. Trust me, it's not the cost. It's it's a pain in the ass dealing with the city and the inspectors and they take forever and then they want their, you know, their extra 50 or 100 bucks. So they're going to reject your project, even though it's good until the next one. So they can get another 100 bucks. You know, it, it's a pain in the ass. It's uh, delays. But you want to know that you're hiring a contractor that when you need to pull permits, they understand the process because it is a process. You got to pull them. You got to request the inspections. You got to make sure everything went good. You got to close them out. The whole process. You want to make sure you're getting a contractor that understands this. Another big question is what are your work hours, right? Are they working Monday to Friday? Do they work weekends? Uh, what time do they start the project? At what time in the day do they usually end? At what time are they going home? The reason I'm saying this is because there's a lot of contractors that I've met that they essentially work half days. They're showing up to the job at like eight in the morning. They'll leave around like two or three in the afternoon. I mean, you're, you know, they're not, that's not working. You understand you're not being productive. You, you don't, you're not working the whole day. So what ends up happening on this is that ends up costing you more money because it's taking them longer to finish the job. So, and we talked about this before, especially on the scope of work uh, video that you're going to definitely want to make sure you check out and you can click the link above here to check out that video. In that video, I, I talked about, you know, the importance of them working through the whole time, because if you, they give you a scope and you say, you know, I, I want to pay a thousand dollars on this scope. It's different paying a thousand dollars on a scope that takes two days versus paying a thousand dollars on the same scope that might take them five days, right? It's not the same money a thousand dollars over five days. It's a lot less than a thousand dollars over two days. So if they're not working more hours, it's going to take them longer to do the job. So this could cost you more money. And then the last question you want to ask them is how many projects are you currently working on? The there's two reasons for this question. One is, uh, could I go check some of these out? right? You want to see, are they working projects in different stages? So when you go check them out, you're checking out, you know, maybe from a full gut job, how's that looking to mid level job to finish level job, right? And what's the quality, what's the job site look like? How are their men working? All of these things you want to look into that. So you want to ask them. And then number two, you want to see like, how busy are they? Right? How busy are you? Are you going? Am I going to be kind of like fit in here and then not get as much attention, as much time? Because again, delays cost money. Again, check out that scope of work video. But delays cost money. So you want to make sure if there are going to, even if there are going to be delays, you want to be sure that you understand what they are going to be, so you can budget for this. 
All right. And like I said before, uh, all the checklists and everything, all the, there's going to be a ton of more questions that you can ask. They're going to be in the cheat sheet. All right. So make sure you text us at um, 210-794-9898 and put contractor cheat sheet. And I'll make sure to get that cheat sheet over to you. Now, you ask them all these questions. The second part of vetting somebody is now you become a detective. <laughs> this is the fun part. This is when you start actually researching. You're going to research their name their company name and any properties that you know that they've worked at, worked on, are currently working on. You want to search all three of these. And typically what you're searching for is you want to see any red flags. Are there any liens on these properties, you know, from them? Are there any judgments against them? Any red flags, anything that's really going to jump out at you. You want to search all of this because you want to see, is there anything that they're dealing with, they're fighting with that I'm not aware of? And depending if there is, you might want to confront them, right? If everything else looks so good, you're like, man, I, you know, everything looks good. I don't, I, I want, I really want to know, like, is this really an issue or can we actually work together and do something? So if that's your curiosity, then ask them, ask them, bring it up. Be like, Hey, look, I do my analysis on everybody that I work with because there's serious business. We talk about a lot of money. You know, my investors require that of me. I require that of me, right? So I'm doing my research and I see this, this, and this. Can you explain that to me or what happened? How's that being resolved? What's the issue here? What's the issue there? And then you can make your best judgment on that. One of the best ways of doing this kind of search is the, your county clerk website. If you go to, it depends where you live and everything, but if you go to your county clerk, any liens and stuff like that, they got to file them. So you go there and you're going to see, I want to search their name. I want to search their company name. Are there any liens, judgments, anything filed against this person, any lawsuits, anything like that filed against this person. And another area to search people is Google. Go on Google, type in their name, company name, and just start typing in lawsuit, fraud, scam, you know, all these words, start typing in those words after their names because that's when you're going to start seeing things pop up. Maybe somebody complained about them on Google, on Better Business, on Facebook. All those things are going to show up. So you want to kind of be, a, like I said, an investigator and check out every little area. And lastly, one uh, a really good way of checking them out is, again, vetting them, checking their references. Whoever referred them to you or whoever they say they're worked for. I mean, that, you know, it's a little tougher because they can refer you to their buddies. Right. And uh, you want to make sure that you're speaking to people that are unbiased in a way. Um, but you want to make sure you reach out to these references and you want to ask them straight up. Ask them, what is it that you didn't like about this person? You know, what problems did you have and how were they resolved if they were resolved? You know, was it easy to resolve an issue with them? Was it like a headache? Was it a headache working with them? Um, did they stick to the draw schedule? Meaning, you know, when a scope is completed, you get paid or were they trying to get paid ahead of the scope being done, even though the work hadn't been done? That's very typical. It's very common. You want to make sure you protect yourself. Um, you want to ask them all of these questions. You want to ask them like, did they stick to the timeline? Or if they told you it was going to be four months, did they get it done in four months or did it go way over the timeline? and how much over. This is going to matter. This is going to matter again as planning and in scope of work. We talked about this, uh, you know, in great detail. So again, make sure you check out that video, but also ask them like, all right, cool. So can I go check out these projects? Are they available? The ones that you've worked on them, uh, use the contractor for, uh, are they sold yet or are they in the process? Can I go see them? 
because you want to go see different projects at different stages. Now, if all of this seems like a lot of work to you, then just don't do this. You understand? Because it's, it's very risky. Very, very, very risky. You hire the wrong contractor, you can get sued. You can lose the house. You can lose tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, there could be a million problems that happen with this when you hire the wrong contractor. So if you're not willing to spend this time to do the right research, don't do this. Trust me, because you're just getting yourself and anybody that's working with you into so much problems. And if you find yourself enjoying this information, then please give us a thumbs up. You have no idea how much that helps us and what that means to us. So just right here on the YouTube channel, just give us a little thumbs up on this video. It means the world. Now, step number three, how to actually hire a contractor. When you're hiring a contractor, you want to make sure that you're taking them to the project you are you wanting to hire them for, right? I mean, that's the only time you're going to hire contractors when you actually have a project. So don't waste their time or your time just talking to contractors just for the hell of it when you don't have any project in sight. Get a project. Once you have a project that you're going to be actually doing, you want to make sure you take two to three different contractors to that project. Don't go with just one person, especially one person, you know, at a time trying them out, all this. You want to have two or three people. Because you, you're going to see how each one gives you slightly different information. And one, it's going to be great education for you if this is your first renovation. And two, it's going to be really good if somebody brings up a, a point that maybe you oversaw, right? Maybe the other contractors oversaw. Maybe they brought up something, a new code that came in that you don't know about. I mean, a million things. So you want to make sure you're giving yourself the best chance at success by having more than one contractor show up with you. So you go to the project. Take the scope of work, that detailed scope of work. Again, here's the video. Click on it. Watch that video, scope of work. But take that detailed scope of work with you and walk them through the whole project. All right? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to take this out. I want to take that out. I want to remove this. What do you think about this? I love asking that question. I love asking them, like, what is it that, you know, what do you think we can do here? Because sometimes one that lets me know their critical solving skills. Can they look at a problem and understand of better solutions for them instead of being like a very, I guess, needy contractor where they're blowing up your phone all day and every day for every little thing that happens. Trust me, that becomes such a pain in the ass and it delays the project so much. So I want to ask them. And sometimes, again, sometimes because they're contractors, if they're good, they're doing this every single day, they'll have much better ideas than you do. And sometimes it's ideas that can save you a ton of money. So you want to ask them, like, what are your thoughts on this? How can it be done better? How can this be done faster? You understand? Ask them and then see what they say with those responses. It's going to really help you out. Other things you want to do as you're walking through the project is you want to ask them, like, hey, out of all this, like, what are tasks that you can handle and which are ones that you'd rather just not do uh, or you don't have the guys to do? Because you want to understand what are their limits, right? And, and a lot of contractors will tell you like, hey, you know, I don't mess with foundation or I don't do roofs or I don't do sidings. Or, I don't touch plumbing. I don't touch electrical. Okay, you need to know this, right? You need to understand this. You need to know this because if they don't do it, that means that they don't have a person in their team that does that. So if they don't have one, then chances are they're going to have to sub it out. Now, this is the part where if you've been doing this correctly, maybe you have a sub that's cheaper than theirs, right? Better, 
whatever it is, somebody that you've already worked with. So you want to make sure you bring the people that you know to control the project much better. And you might want to even ask them like, hey, who do you recommend for plumbing then? Who do you recommend for electrical? Because again, referrals, right? References, referrals. They could be, they can refer you a electrician, a plumber, somebody that you didn't know about that, you know, turns out to be a great asset to your team. So ask them for referrals and then ask them what supply houses they like working with. Because there's a, a lot of contractors that especially do this. They have accounts, open accounts in a lot of supply houses. So they'll get discounts on certain types of material, right? They get discounts if they order, you know, for their plumbing stuff or whatever, where if you're the person that's supplying material, then maybe those materials you have them buy because they'll get 20% off or 10% off. And all of these savings are going to matter a lot. They're going to matter a lot. They're going to be something that can make you tens of thousands of dollars at the end of the year by doing all of these savings. And we actually did a video with my business partner that you can watch right up here and it's going to be below on how to make more money in your business. And we go over all these little strategies just like that one on how it is that you can maximize your return aside from just gross net profit on a flip. Now, before you actually, you've, you found the contractor, you're like, I'm going to work with you. Great. Before you actually hire them, you want to make sure you get a contractor agreement signed. And then a contractor agreement pretty much states all of the things that you guys have talked about. First of all, it states obviously like your name, their name, the company name, all of that, the project, the start date. And most importantly, it states like the actual scope of work. It's usually in an appendix or something like that. And you put the scope of work attached to it. This way they have it, they see it, they review it, they sign it, they agree to it. It's, it's something more along the lines of a, of a protection for you where they can't come back and say, we didn't talk about that. We didn't say that it's right here. You signed it. You agreed to it. And also psychologically, when they sign something like that, they feel more you know, obligated to make sure they perform because they signed a legal document, right? So it, it kind of helps you make sure that you don't get into too much trouble. Then the next thing you want to get signed right up front is a W-9. When you're hiring people, you're going to have to do 1099s at the end of the year. You want to make sure you collect the W-9 up front. If you wait till the end of the project, you may not see those people and it might be a pain in the ass to get that W-9 from them. Get it up front. And the most most, most important thing before you ever cut them a check is asking, is asking for them to sign a partial lien release. Okay. What is the partial lien release? It pretty much states like whatever the scope of the project was you, and you're writing them a check for a portion of it is saying that you are releasing that portion of that check from the total amount from this project. Okay. So if anything was to happen, they won't put a lien on your house for that amount. They can't put a lien on it. Right. And that, that, uh, partial lien release, it also has where it says that all the subcontractors below them are covered as well. So if they're taking the money, they're saying, yes, this money is I'm taking it. You've paid me and I'm, and I've paid my contractors. Now, if they do or they don't after that, that's, you know, on them but you are covering yourself and you're protecting your investment. And this is every time, every time, not just at the beginning, every time you cut them a check before you hand that check over, don't do it. Don't pay them without them signing that sheet of paper. First, you give them the sheet of paper, they fill it out, they sign it. Then you give them the check. 
trust me, you're going to thank me. It's going to protect you. And it's going to be something that you just don't leave your home without one of those anytime you're going to pay your contract. So what's the biggest difference? And this is the bonus I told you before. What's the biggest difference between a GC and a subcontractor? Well, a GC very simply is somebody that he's a general contractor. They typically handle the whole project. They should be able to handle the full scope of work and pretty much hand you the keys and the house is ready to go, right? They handle materials. They handle pretty much everything. Then there's a, a big spectrum within that of maybe you negotiate with them. Okay. You're going to handle all of these part of the scope, but then I'll have my guys do this side of it, right? Or you're going to do all of this, but I'll supply the material, whatever it is. But generally a GC can handle the whole project. They can have, they, or they'll hire the subs, they'll manage the subs. If they have to buy materials, they'll go get the materials. That's a GC. A sub, a sub does a specific job. All right. So that's if you need your tile done, if you need a roof done, that's individual people. That's what we prefer working with. We prefer working with individuals because we can control the project much better. We can control the scopes better and we can mitigate our risk because we're never giving out too much money, right? Because it's dependent on a lot of scopes. And because we supply material, we just got to pay you for labor. So if you haven't done the labor, you're not going to get paid, <laughs> right? So it makes it much easier because they don't have any other expense because it's labor. So you haven't done it. I don't need to pay you yet. So it helps you protect yourself a lot more. Yes, it's more tedious and it's a lot more work, but I think, um, as far as being prepared, being protecting your investment, protecting everything, working with subs is going to be a much better way to go. But that is the major difference between GC and a subcontractor. Now, if you have any questions about anything that was discussed, make sure you comment below and let me know. I look at everything and I'm always getting back to you guys, or you can simply text us and I can, I'll text you right back with whatever questions or, uh, concerns that you have. With that being said, you want to check out the playlist right up here on how to start flipping houses in 2021 and check out down here for just more different training and stuff like that, that might help you. So thank you all for watching. I'll catch you in the next one.